Well, good morning, Cornerstone. Would you stand with us as we worship together? i 
continue singing praises to our King this morning.
Cause all my life you 
miss you have all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God Lord you're so good to us God and I just pray that even if we walked in here this morning in a really hard season, Lord, that you would just remind us that even when we can't see it, you're still good, Lord. And even when the answer's no, we trust you because we've seen your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. Just remind us of that this morning. And I pray that as Nathan brings a word today, Lord, may we just encounter you, learn something new, and walk away changed. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Awesome. You may be seated. Sweet. Well, before Daryl starts announcements, I just wanted to take a quick second to plug our worship night next Saturday night at 5, or sorry, 7 p.m. It's Saturday the 5th at 7 p.m. My bad. Please don't come at 5. We'll still be practicing. But um, the last worship night was on a Sunday, so we had the opportunity to kind of plug it Sunday morning and invite you to come back. But that was a bit of a long day for our team, so we're going to do it on a Saturday night now. So I hope you will plug it into your calendars and come join us. Um, our team has been thinking and praying a lot about this night over the past month. And I just think it's really important to spend time in worship, not just on Sunday mornings, but together as a family during the week as well. And for a little bit more time than just 20 minutes, we get to spend a little over an hour on Saturday. So I hope you'll pray about it and join us. And we'll see you on Saturday the 5th at 7 p.m. It's going to be great. Thank you, Elena. Hey, before I get into uh, the rest of the announcements, I just have a few before we uh, invite Nathan to come up. Many of you know Dennis and Eunice Marion. They've been a part of this church for 16 years, and she often played uh, violin and occasionally sang and, and played the piano as well. Very talented lady. They've been an integral, integral part of the church for many years. Um, they uh, were supposed to be here this morning to say goodbye. They're actually relocating to Utah, and their plans changed, and they actually had to leave early this morning. So wanted to just put that in front of you so that you could pray for Dennis and Eunice while they're on the road. Uh, their house is ready and waiting for them in Utah, and uh, pray that they find uh, a wonderful, loving church that they can integrate into, and just keep them in your thoughts and prayers this week as they make this transition back to, uh, back to Utah. We're certainly going to miss both of them. Uh, we do have a slide for softball. Now, softball is not everybody's cup of tea, but if you like to play ball, this is your chance to sign up. If you have um, aggression issues, um, store them up for the week and consider taking it out on the softball. And join the softball team. There's information there. Um, email Gabe uh, at his email address there, uh, or you can call that number. That's Gabe's number, and he'll get you taken care of. Um, Elena announced a night of worship this coming Saturday night. We have the uh, I Am They concert, July 17th. Tickets are available on our website. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a great time. And then uh, Jessica announced last week we're having another soccer camp, and it starts two days after the concert on July 19th. It's going to be a great time. Monday through Thursday, I think if I looked at the schedule correctly, 9 to 3, and then Friday 9 to noon. So the two years ago, it was a big hit. Last year, we had a COVID break, as you know, and so this year, they're ramping it up again. Make sure that you uh, go to our church website, cornerstonecommunity.net, and uh, go ahead and sign up your, your child for that. He's going to have a great time. Well, last summer, when we had to be creative with our services because of COVID, we started a second service out, uh, 
outside, and so we were able to get the two services going, and through the summer, we had uh, different guest speakers, and Nathan Dupree was one of them, and uh, it was just uh, well-received, and we're grateful to have him back. This is the last Sunday that Tony and Teresa uh, are away. They will be with us next Sunday, so you can look forward to having uh, Pastor Tony back, but Pastor Nathan is pastor of Livingstone's Church, their North Valley's campus in, uh, I believe it's Northwest Reno. They have several campuses all over, and um, just a delight to have. We, we enjoyed them last summer, so grateful to have them again. Pastor Nathan, come on up. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, Cornerstone. It is so good to be with you today. Um, my name is Nathan, and as he said, I'm one of the pastors at the uh, Livingstones Midtown Reno Church, and uh, it is absolutely a joy to be with you here today. Also, like to take a moment and just say Happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this is a weekend that we honor those who served our country and who have died, and we are just so grateful and thankful uh, to them. And if you're here today and you are currently serving or you're retired, um, thank you for your service uh, to our country uh, and for us and for our good. It is just um, wonderful um, of how you have given up so much uh, for us. Now, as uh, many of you may know, um, Tony, Pastor Tony, is a dear friend of, and brother of mine. Uh, he was a professor of mine at Multnomah uh, College, and he was my Greek professor. Now, uh, last time I was here, I had to do a little bit of Greek just to impress him, to say I was paying attention in class. I don't have to do that this time, and so there's no Greek that we'll be getting today um, from uh, this text. And I think the last time as I was here, I was sharing that we are planting a church uh, in the North Valley. So it'll be the Livingstones Church North Valleys, and that's in the North Valleys of Reno where there is uh, Sun Valley, um, Raleigh Heights, um, North Valley, there's Cold Springs, there's Golden Valley, Lemon Valley, just a whole bunch of valleys. And so we are planting a church out there. So I would solicit your prayers, and I would ask you um, if you would, if you know anyone who live in that area, send them my way and, and pray that maybe they want to join a church plant. We would be so delighted to have them. And if you want any more information about that, uh, you can go to our website, livingstonechurches.com forward slash North Valleys. And again, we would love to plug them in. Well, with that, really excited about today's text um, that we will be sharing. It comes from uh, Mark chapter 5. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read those verses for us from Mark chapter 5. And it's going to be uh, verses 21 through 43. Mark chapter 5. Verses 21 through 43, very, very um, delightful uh, story in the book of Mark about our Savior, Jesus, and how he walks with us. And I want us to see what it says there. And I'm just going to read this story for you. So I just want you to listen uh, to this as I read this over you this morning. And it reads this. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd to get gathered about him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, speaking of Jesus. 
And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any longer? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, to the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all aside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and, were, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kuma, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. And as I was just praying and thinking over this text, some stories came to mind, personally myself. And one of the stories that came to mind was when I was in college. So I went to um, Bakersfield Junior College. And there, uh, I played football, and there uh, I was introduced to someone, and he was very generous to me. And matter of fact, I was there, I didn't have a car, and when I would uh, need a ride, I would call him. But actually, I would call him, and he would say, just, I'll just give you my car. He was very generous to me. And listen, I was a college student, and he drove a Jaguar, so y'all know I was looking good, right? And I was driving a Jaguar, and I was just like, man, I just called to get a ride, and you lent me your Jaguar. I'm like, you did so much more than what I asked. And you know, even in seasons of my life, there's been people who would just do more than even what I asked. There were friends, especially in a young family, me and my wife, we had young kids, and we would have financial hardships, and uh, I would call people that I knew just for a couple of bucks. And they always did uh, so much more than what I would even ask. I have friends like that today. Even when I have issues going on, or I call for counseling. They just gives us so much more. And that's what we see in this text today. What Jesus does. Jesus, listen, he gives you and I so much more. So much more. 
And when you know him and when you walk with him in your life and through the seasons of your life, that's who he is. And in the book of Mark, uh, the book, the gospel of Mark is such a great book for you to just read and see who Jesus is. And when you're reading the book of Mark, you'll begin to just see who he is. One of the things about the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, it's an action book. You see Jesus in action. And what you see from Jesus Christ is how he's at work redeeming that uh, which have been cursed in this world. You, you see the authority of Jesus. You see it all throughout the book. And in the beginning, you're going to see these words that keep repeating itself. And one of the words is immediately. Again, you see that immediately Jesus did this. And it was the action of Jesus. It was him at work in this world. And you see Jesus in action, uh, healing people. So you see Jesus' authority over sickness. Matter of fact, a lot of things you see in this text also uh, in the book of Mark is Jesus uh, casting out demons. So we see Jesus' uh, authority over demons. So his authority over demons, his authority over sickness, his authority, uh, matter of fact, right before this, his authority over the storms. The storms that may come in our life. In our text today, what we're going to see is this. His authority over death. Like this, this little girl who died, we're going to see Jesus' authority over death, our greatest enemy. One of our greatest enemies. And so this is the main point of our text today um, as we jump into this. Um, it is this. Um, walking with Jesus, you get far more. You just get, you get far more. And if we can understand this on a level, uh, the impact that it would have in our life right now, understanding how Jesus uh, walks with us. And so let's go ahead, um, long text, a lot of things going on there. So let's go ahead and jump in there. And so again, when you walk with Jesus, you get so much more. But here's the first point I want you to see in this text is first of all, our need for Jesus, that we have a great need for Jesus. Now notice what it says here. In verse 21, it says, And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat on the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And the crowds always followed Jesus. Now, the crowds followed Jesus because they were all about the miracles. They wanted the miracles of Jesus. But when you read Scripture, you understand that the miracles, what the miracles did was confirm the message. That's why the miracles took place. It's to confirm the gospel. It's to confirm who Jesus Christ is. But we see these crowds that are always gathering. And we see this, that Jesus had went, he was beyond the sea, he came back. And then it says, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. And it says this, and he implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death, come and lay your hands on her uh, so that she be made, made well and live. And he went with him. So there's a crowd, and then we have this ruler by the name of Jairus who comes to Jesus, and he falls at his feet. He falls out of his feet. And what we see here, first of all, I want you to see that he's a ruler. You know, many times uh, we talk about people who, when they come to Jesus, you know, we talk about um, those who are down and out. Well, here's a ruler. He's the up and out. And there are those who are up and out also. There are those who have everything uh, in the bank account that they need, have every possession that they need, and they are up and out. This is the ruler. He is a moral man. He's upright. He's serving and ruling in the synagogue. 
and he needs Jesus. And what does that point out to you and I? Is our great need for Jesus. No matter who you are, what status of life you come from, you and I need Jesus. You and I need him. And it speaks of our humanity. It speaks of our depravity, our sinfulness. It speaks of human nature and the sinfulness of our human nature. But here is Jairus, and he comes, notice, and he falls at the feet of Jesus. He falls at his feet. What is this showing you and I? It shows us that, that Jairus is, what he's doing is he's acknowledging his need. But not only is he acknowledging his need, Jairus here, remember, there's a crowd, and he steps out of the crowd, and he falls at his feet, is acknowledging his humble faith. See, there are many that's in the crowd. They won't go to Jesus. There are many people that you and I know, they won't go to Jesus. Our arrogance, and personally, I can speak for myself, my arrogance and my pride prevented me from getting to Jesus, from going to him. And, and not only just going to him, but falling down before him and saying, I need you. I need you. But that's what we see uh, Jairus doing here. He goes and he makes his faith public about Jesus. And we need to be public about our faith. We, 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 we need to be public of our need for faith. And I tell you what, there's a reason I believe that God calls you and I to be public about our faith. See, when we are quiet our, and, our, and we have secrecy, it allows us to heap fear and shame on ourselves. That's what it allows us to do. But when you go public, it betrays fear and shame. You, you, you put that out when you go public, when you acknowledge your need before him. And that's what he's doing here. He's acknowledging his need before God. He's saying, God, you are the only one that can help me in this situation. Do you know the situation? Remember what the situation said. He said he implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. He has a crisis on his hand. And, and yeah, we acknowledge that many times when people go to Jesus, when they have a crisis on their hands, Right? And he's going to Jesus when, when he has this crisis on his hand um, about his little daughter. Something very dear to his heart. Something that is very uh, dear to his heart is what we are uh, seeing here. And, um, and he needs Jesus. He needs Jesus. Is there anybody here today that may be facing crisis? Is something that is just um, painful and hard in your life? You know, because what this text shows us, because I want you to see it here. It says he fell out of his seat and he implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death, severe situation. Come lay your hands on her that she may be made well and live. So Jairus here shows faith. He has faith. Now, why is faith important? Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, that without faith, it's impossible, it says, to do what? To please God. So faith is very important uh, in our walk. Matter of fact, faith is what brings about the grace of God in our life, and faith is what brings about the gospel of God in our life. And I love this because what it tells us is Jesus, he goes with him. Why does Jesus go with him? Because of his faith and because of grace coming into his life. You know what? Uh, Jesus didn't do a background check on him. He didn't say, what have you done to earn my favor and try to be right with me? It was faith because faith justifies you and I. I was trust of him. It justifies 
our, our life before him. And, and, and I love this because it says, talk, when it talks about grace, grace is the unmerited favor of God on our lives. It is what God shows you and I when we don't even deserve it. When we don't even deserve it. Um, so we see Jesus responds to Jairus' faith. And what I love about this is um, Jairus does nothing but comes to Jesus by faith. That's the gospel. You know, in this world today, people are trying to earn God's favor. They're trying to live by law. And they're trying to live by things that's going to earn, make them acceptable to God. Do you know through Jesus Christ, you are accepted. Through him, you are beloved. Through Christ, what he has accomplished for you and I, you are accepted by God. So Jairus, all he does is he recognizes God's power and God's holiness in the gap between him. His, his sinfulness and his need. And if you and I can come to the place of recognizing that, we can come to Jesus publicly and fall down before him and say, I need you. And notice what it says, and he went with him. Jesus went with him. You know, one of the most important things in your crisis is his presence. His presence. He goes with him. Now, why does Jesus go with him? Um, there is um, this man who was considered one of the great uh, theological greats. His name was um, Thomas Goodwin. And in this book I'm reading called Rejoicing in Christ, he said this. He says, two things uh, stirs Christ's compassion towards us. Number one, our affliction. The, 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 different, the difficult things, the suffering that we experience in this life. He said that's one of the things that stirs Christ's compassion to us. And the second thing that stirs his compassion or his pity towards us are our sinfulness. Like, like Jesus, is, his compassion is stirred when, when he sees the sinner. When, when he sees us in our fallen state, when we're not in the best, when we're not at our best, his compassion is stirred towards us. So it says here that he went with him. Is, there, is our problem big enough to go to him and just fall for him? I don't care who's looking. Is, is it deep enough? Is it, is it, you know, hard enough for me to just go and fall at his feet? And the reality is only peace of mind and rest comes from those who put their faith in Jesus. That's the reality, and that's what we see in here. So I implore you, go public with your faith. So Jesus does what? He goes with them. What do we see here? Now, this is what we're going to see here. We're going to see uh, Jesus going with this man in his crisis. And it says this um, in verse 24, the second part of 24. It says, and a great crowd followed him. So now Jairus and Jesus goes, they're going to his house because this is a little daughter. And on the way, there are some things that happen. And notice what it says, and a great crowd followed him and thronged him about, about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. So here's Jesus and Jairus. They're going to this chronic, this serious um, situation. And this woman comes up uh, who has this issue of blood. Now, let me point this out before I move any further. Um, when Jesus goes along with us uh, to our crisis, 
It is an invitation of God, first of all, for us to trust him. It's an invitation for God to trust him. But also, in, our, in that invitation, it's also God saying, in our crisis, I'm going to teach you some things along the way. I'm going to teach you some things along the way. And listen, as I talked about our main point, like if we're going to get far more from Jesus, Jesus is going to get far more also from us than what we think we're just going to get. So here's my second point today. Not only our need for Jesus, but Jesus' timing in our need. Let's take a look at Jesus' timing uh, in our need. And that's what we're going here. And that's what the first lesson that we're going to see here is that this woman comes up and interrupts Jairus on his way to his daughter. And now he's what? Jairus is delayed. He's delayed. Let's read. So, um, who had suffered much under the many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd, touched his garment. For she said, if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the blood, the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of his disease. So we see in this text, Jesus is going with Jairus. And next thing you know, the tension turns from Jairus to this woman with the issue of blood. And I just got to imagine, can you imagine with me, Jairus on the way to his severe situation with his daughter is like, hold on, Jesus, you ain't got time for this woman now. We got to get to my daughter. She's at the point of death. And here is Jesus. Jairus, I'm going to teach you a few things along the way. I'm going to teach you that in your crisis, I'm going to teach you my timing. Do you, do you know, like, God's timing is never like our timing, right? Like, you know, when you're wishing for something to happen at a certain time, like, God's timing is not like our timing. There's always this invitation that I'm going to teach you about my timing, my timing, you know? Um, in my life, my wife's timing is not like my timing. Oh, God. I told her today, <laughs> I said, we need to leave by 7 a.m. We needed to leave by 8. Oh, God, I just confessed the lion. <laughs> but her timing is not my timing. And, and that's the same way it is with God. And one of the things that he shows us here is that God's time is not our time. God's timing never seems right. It just never uh, seems right. But his timing is always right. It never seems right, but it's always right in our life. I remember um, as a young man, I, I remember praying for a job. Again, we were a young family, had uh, four kids, and uh, there was a friend of mine and myself. We had worked part-time for Washoe County Juvenile Services, but they were offering these full-time positions, and me and him went for the job. And I remember, I'm like, I'm more qualified. I'm going to get this job before him. And, you know, and he got the job before me. He, he was unmarried and didn't have any kids. So I'm like, surely God is, you know, he's on my time. Surely he is. And I remember he got the job over me. And, man, did I have a complaining fest with God. Like, God, I, I need this job. I, I, I have to have this job. He's okay right now. And I'm complaining to God. 
And God's timing is just not my timing. And so later on, I remember this. So later on, they did some restructuring at that same job. So late, he got hired. I got hired like either four to six months later after him. And later on, a few years down the line, they began to do some restructuring of the job and salaries and everything. And it was amazing. Um, at that time, what happened was I fell into a time slot of when I got hired <laughs> to receive a higher pay. It was even higher than his, and he got hired before me. What am I saying? God knows what's best. God knows the timing in our crisis. He knows the things that need to be done in our lives. Uh, when we don't know, when we don't see it, when we don't understand, he knows. So that's the first lesson I believe that he's showing him here is that uh, God's timing is better than ours. And this is interesting because here's this woman. Here's this woman with this issue of blood, uh, and she comes to Jesus. She is going through a crisis. She's been going through a crisis for 12 long, long years. She's ceremonially unclean. Uh, she's probably uh, estranged from her husband if she's married. Uh, she couldn't be actually in public, but she was convinced that if I get to Jesus by faith, if I get to him by faith, I can be healed. She was convinced of that. And here is Jairus. He's just on the side. And let me remind you, in this uh, second um, verse, stanzas of verses, Jairus' name is not even mentioned. And God is showing us, like, his name is not even mentioned. It's not even about him. It's God's timing in our life. So he's just walking along, and this event is uh, taking place here. And here she comes, and she touched his garment. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Her situation was chronic. And she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I just touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up in her body that she was healed of her disease. So she runs up. She touched the hem of Jesus' um, garment. Now, uh, some commentators say that, you know, uh, she had some... Um, um, mysterious faith type things going on, that if she can just touch the hem of his garment. But Jesus, of course, points that out. That it wasn't the touching of her hem. It was her faith that, that made her well. It was her coming um, before him. Right? And so we see that here also. But I want you to see here where it says, and immediately the flow of blood dried up because she felt in her body and she was healed of the disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? So there's this large crowd, just people thronging him, and one person, lady, touched him. And it's like, listen, Jesus, he knows who you are in the crowd. He knows your need in the crowd. He, he does. And if you go to him, and one of the things I love about this story is there were two people, Jairus and this woman, they stepped out of the crowd. You know, they stepped out of the folks who were, you know, the majority. They stepped out of the crowd and they got to Jesus. And I feel like this is calling you and I to get to Jesus. Who touched my garments? He said, and the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you. And yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around and said to to see who had done it. So just imagine she came. It was like she touched and she ran. Like she wanted to touch and go. 
She just wanted to get healed and go. But notice what Jesus does. He turns around and looks and says, who touched me? You see what Jesus is doing here? He's calling her out. Because this is what Jesus is pointing out. He don't just want you to get what you want. He don't just want you to get healed. He's, listen, as he's going to give you more, he's asking for more. He's asking for more from her. He's saying to her, listen, don't just come for your healing. Because notice what he says. He looked around to see who done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Jesus demands more. He does. And what he's doing is he's calling her out because he wants a relationship with her. See, in our relationship and in our discipleship with Jesus, that's, we get more. We get more. And, and sometimes it is just, you know, I just want this from Jesus. And Jesus is like, mm-mm. mm-mm. Jesus said, just like you want more, I want more. I want more from you. I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to walk with me. I want you to to learn uh, from me, but I want you to know me. So that's one of the lessons that we see here. What is being known does for you and I? Because that's what's happening with her. She's being known. He's, He's literally calling her to discipleship, which means there's obedience to Christ, and he's calling her to be in community. And I tell you what, sometimes we discount community and what community means to you and I. But what does it mean? It means to be known. It means to be accountable one to another. It means that you and I would would stir up one another. It means that you and I would confess our faults one to another that we may be healed. It means to be in community, to be known, to be accountable to Jesus with one another. With one another. And sometimes uh, this is a a lone ranger walk for many of us, and we want to walk alone and we want to do our own thing. But that's never what the Bible talks about. That's never, you never see that in Scripture. You never see that in church church history or or in um, in, in, in the Bible when we see the church. It's about community. It's about being known is what she's being called to. And Jesus wants you and I to be made known. And I love this contrast here. There is Jairus who's just waiting on the side. <laughs> Can you imagine just how he's waiting? I'm just wondering what his posture is right there while he's waiting to get to his daughter. I'm thinking he's probably looking something like this. Jesus, you want to, like, pick it up a little bit? And Jesus is like, it's my timing. It's my timing. And in your delay, and I'm, I'm reading this story, and I'm like, he's... He's saying, Jairus, just, just learn. I got this. If, so if Jesus is delaying you, if he's delaying you in your life, what's the lesson? What, what is he trying to teach you? What, what, what do he want you to learn? What does he want you to learn if he's delaying? I feel like here, like, so Jairus doesn't know. And so sometimes there's just the unknown of what Jesus is going to do. And sometimes what Jesus is calling you and I to do is to entrust ourselves to him and not the outcome. Sometimes. Sometimes. So we see this. So, 
Jesus says to her daughter, his compassion, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So we talk about Jesus' timing in our need. Jesus' timing in our need. So notice what happens here now, and this is the final point here. It says, while he was still speaking, there came a ruler from his house who said, your daughter is dead. Can you imagine what he's feeling now? Like he, he, hear, he just heard the worst news he could ever hear. He said, why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. See, uh, Jesus demanded of um, the woman with the issue of blood to be known. What he demands of Jairus here is to trust him. To just trust them in the situation. I know there's some situation right now, me and my wife are just trusting you. It don't look good. And, and, and this in the Greek, actually, I will give you a little Greek, where it says, do not fear. It means stop being afraid is what it means. Like, stop being afraid. Trust him. And so he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and the brother of James. Um... So this is the final point that I have today, Jesus' authority over our need, his authority over our need. So he goes, he's going to the house, but he allows no one to follow him. I want you to see what it said. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion. People were weeping and wailing, and this was very common in the Jewish culture. Uh, they were professional moaners there, and they were making all this noise because the young lady, had, the little lady had died. And when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. Uh, sleep is a term for the Christian. When the Christian dies, he's only sleeping. If you're not in Christ, um, you, you, this term does not apply. But, but this should bring about comfort to you and I that in Christ, you, you're sleeping. This is what the Christians knew, this term. You can see that all throughout Scripture. That, um, they were, that the, He said that they are sleeping. And notice what happens. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. He put everybody out. Guess what? He, he not only has authority over our need, but he's the one who's setting the agenda. Jesus is the one who's setting the Listen, he's on the throne in your situation. He's never off the throne. He's never not in control. He's never not sovereign. And it says, um, he went into where the child was, and I love this. Notice what it says. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, Kuma, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Here's Jesus. Now, now again, we've, we've seen Jesus in all of his power over demons, over sickness, all these different things. And he goes into this room and he sits down. And he grabbed this little girl by the hand. And in some of the translation I've seen, this is the best one, I think, where it says, this is what Jesus does. He sat down beside her. He put her hand in his hand. He grabs her by the hand. And it's like a parent saying to a child, honey. It's time to get up. That's what Jesus does. And that's what Jesus does to you and I. He, he takes us by the hand. And he has power over every situation. And he says, honey, it's time to get up. I say to you, arise. And immediately the little girl got up and began walking. She was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. 
and told them to give her something to eat, which talks about this wasn't just some event. She went on living. She had life now. She had life. Don't you want to walk with a Jesus like that? See, when he went to Jesus, she was sick, and he didn't know that she was going to die. But Jesus gives us far more when we walk with him. You and I, we really don't know our need. But if we walk with him, he gives us far more. I want to give you two applications as I close. When in a crisis, here's one. Respect the mystery of God's providence in your life. Just, just like I don't know everything, I don't see everything, I don't understand everything. I'm just going to respect the mystery of God's uh, promise in his providence in my life. He's working in, in, in mysterious ways. And here's one of the things as Christians we need to learn that we don't live by expectations or we, we, we don't live by those. We live by promises from God. And many times we have a lot of anxiety and a lot of things going on in our life because um, you know, we have all these questions, but, we, but we, get, we need to come to a place where we respect the mystery of God's providence in our life. Allow God to be God in our life and trust him when we don't see it. Here's the second application. Rest in the mastery of God's power. Just roll it over to the Lord. Just trust him and roll it over to him. So if you're in a situation and God doesn't deliver you, um, it's, that that he, it's not that he can't deliver you. Like, but what we see from Scripture is that he didn't deliver many Christians. And, and many times we don't uh, know why, but he didn't. If you're in a crisis, don't demand to understand. Just put your eyes on him. Rest in his love as who he is and the attributes of who he is. Remember that Jesus Christ died for you. And he's walking with you. And when you walk with him, you, you, you just get far more. You just get far more. Would you, just, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, thank you for your love towards us. Um, just thank you for your grace and your goodness towards us. Um, thank you for your compassion um, in our lives and in our situations and the things that we face and that we go through. Thank you for demanding more uh, from us. And uh, just forgive us for the times that we've been afraid and not trusted you. We have logically concluded that you cannot make any difference. Lord, would you just help us to be willing to submit our will to yours, not try to rush you, um, but let you be who you want to be in our life. And God, would you just be glorified through what you have done and accomplished through your son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. And we just pray all of this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome, would you stand with us as we continue in worship? It's 
much for worshiping with us. I hope you have a blessed Sunday and a great rest of your week.